Really quick before we get started, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast or followed the OrthoPlug on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, please do so. And while you're at it, if you can leave a review on the podcast, that would be amazing. It would really help us out a lot. You know, one of the first times that I that I really recognized this, um, I was actually uh, over at our county hospital, uh, like on our trauma service. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, the who sees the most trauma um, in, you know, urban cities is going to be for the most part, you know, young, black, brown people. Um, that's the, the the current state of our nation from the vast history of, uh, of disparities that kind of kind of lead us to that. But something that I really, you know, felt and really was able to to, to experience was connecting to, to patients on a on a level that I don't think a lot of my peers could. Hello and welcome to episode seven of the OrthoPlug, the podcast where I get to speak with some of the most successful, inspiring, and really just coolest orthopedic surgeons in the country. And one thing that makes them particularly special is they either come from underrepresented backgrounds or they are actively supporting those that do. This is an amazing episode where I had the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Vince Morgan, a PGY3 orthopedic surgery resident at Rush University. We all say we're passionate about service, but Vince truly embodies this, particularly for his home in the Chicago community. He shares his story, tons of wisdom for students wanting to get to where he is, and given that we're in the thick of interview season, he also highlights a few things that current applicants can do to succeed on interview day. Now, I do have to apologize in advance for some audio difficulties with this episode, but sticking it out for the wisdom is worth it, and I'm sure you're still going to love this episode. I am so, so excited for this conversation. Um, I've been waiting for this one. This is Dr. Vince Morgan, um, an absolute stud, somebody I look up to, somebody I know a lot of people look up to, joining the show, PGY3 from Rush, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining. Man, my, my pleasure. Like I said before, I'm just trying to trying to get like you. So you know. <laughs> Already starting it off with the jokes, but I like it. <laughs> so my first question that I have for you, mostly just because, you know, I know your personal interest is what's the latest sneaker that you've gotten? Because I think that you're going to be the first MD with a, with, with, with a personal sneaker. I think, I think that look, that's the goal. Look, I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to get this shoe deal, you know? So honestly, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a little bit embarrassing for like the true sneaker heads out here. But, uh, most recently I actually got Panda dunks and, uh, okay. I, know, I know it's very, uh, kind of cliche right now because they kind of played out but uh one of one of the homies actually uh secured it for me um and so i i couldn't i couldn't couldn't refuse and i've, I've been wearing them a little bit and i like them but yeah you gotta you gotta rock with the homie gives look, 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 i love it look look, look classic black black and white dunks um <laughs> but you know as uh as residency is you know still in full effect and in the process of you know trying to save up and plan for a wedding i've been having to uh reduce my uh my, my sneaker spending but we're gonna we're gonna be there we're gonna get it back <laughs> i love it i'm sure i'm sure your fiance uh you know may, may support the taking a break from the sneakers and saving up for the wedding you got congratulations on the engagement it was uh you guys got engaged in like jamaica or something right? yeah yeah back back in jamaica uh last last fall actually so we got a little bit of a longer engagement but uh i think things are shaping up and we're uh moving forward with what we gotta do what we gotta do Oh, I love it. I'm trying to get like you. (laughs) I got the wife, the kid, it's all. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Talking about goals. You're the the plug. Oh, man, I love it, man. Well, I'm super excited for you and the the future wifey. Um, That's awesome. So, 
Usually I don't start with a, with a sneaker question, but I had to for this for this episode. But usually I like to just kind of start with like, what got you into medicine and ultimately into ortho? Did you always know ortho? What was kind of the story that, that brought you here? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, med- the medicine, you know, intro or kind of interest rather is a relatively long story, but, you know, it's synopsis for that. You know, I, uh, you know, grew up, always had interest in science, like, you know, a lot of us have, kind of fascinated by the body. Uh, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Just, I thought being a doctor sounded cool. It was, you know, that was one of the, one of the, the big things that you could do, right? You know, and um, it wasn't actually until I was in high school, uh, one of my, one of my cousins actually was in, was in a pretty tragic accident um, where he was uh, mauled by a, by a dog, two dogs rather. Um and uh, they essentially, you know, ripped his face apart, to, to be frank. And um, I, I remember it vividly, you know, going to the hospital, waiting to, you know, to see him, to make sure that he was okay. At the time, he was only 19 years old. And um, I, I remember just being devastated and seeing the devastation in my family's faces, my, you know, my aunt, my uncle, my mom, grandmother. Uh, when they had realized just kind of how uh, how how traumatic um, this experience was for him, both physically, you know, it was initially what you see, but then just kind of mental toll. Um, and I remember, I can still think back to, you know, being with him and seeing, you know, week by week, month by month, year by year, and to this point, still kind of undergoing but all the, the treatment that he was undergoing from like the plastic surgery perspective to try to restore this identity um, to make him feel more like himself, you know, by giving him, you know, prostheses that could, you know, mimic the appearance of the ears that he lost or the reconstruction of his nose. And, you know, the, the fact that with every surgery that he had, you know, some of which had to be revised because we know how that goes. Things aren't always, you know, super smooth, but he was getting pieces of himself back. And, the ability to, to do that was something that I thought was so powerful that, you know, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be I'm going to be a surgeon. I'm going to be a plastic surgeon. Like, I want to I want to do this. And that's when I think the, the interest kind of got got real. I think that's when it became more tangible. And I had like a goal in mind as to, to what I wanted to do and why I wanted to do it. Um, the orthopedics aspect, I think, kind of. I morphed more into that kind of as I continued to kind of grow into that more life experiences. Um, a lot of it kind of came down to, you know, my experiences uh, being like a athlete in high school and, and college um, and, you know, my experiences with injuries and uh, I think my fascination with kind of the human body and the, the kinesiology aspect of it, the, the mechanics of it. Um, I got really drawn to the idea of being able to, Hope to like restore function in people um, and not just kind of athletics and, you know, everybody wants to run a sub, you know, four or five, 40, but that's not, that's not who we're helping in orthopedics. It's, you know, having the ability to be able to give, you know, this grandmother the ability to walk down the street with her grandchildren again, or, you know, giving, you know, somebody that's a manual laborer, you know, the ability to go back to work and provide for, you know, their family again. Um, and, you know, orthopedics was for me in med school, my experience was one of the most pivotal or I'd say one of the most impactful 
uh, subspecialties and the ability to restore this function, to restore this quality of life in, in oftentimes a very definitive way, um, in a way that the patient could really, you know, realize and things that will materialize rather, rather quickly, um, as well as something that I think was relatively satisfying from the provider aspect, too. You know, you see something that's broken, torn up, and you can see, like, you know, your pre-op x-ray, your post-op x-ray, and you're like, man, just did something there. Um, and, you know, you cross your fingers, there's still healing has to take place and soft tissue and, and all that. But just the, I think the 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 immediacy, the, the, the ability to be able to see something that's broken and fix it um, was something that I, that I, that I wanted. Um, and so I think that's kind of when I really kind of became gung-ho for orthopedics was when I really started to see more and more patients like in clinics, like on rotations and shadowing and uh, dealing with my research mentors that I'm like, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. There's a lot of great, you know, uh, fields within medicine. And I think we all need each other and we need to kind of work symbiotically to, to, to help, you know, take care of patients, especially on more complex ones. Uh, but I felt that my kind of skill set and my interest really lied in, in, in orthopedics. First, you know, uh, so sorry for the tragedy that, you know, the family experienced with the, the, the dog mauling. That's, you know, I can only imagine the toll that that took on the entire family. Um, and, you know, it, I'm, it's always, I, I always like want to applaud people when they experience a tragedy and then that let that tragedy set a fire for them to kind of accomplish something, you know, purposeful. And that's what it did for you. So, you know, just want to applaud you with that. The big, big ups because, because he's, he's the one that, 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 that has lived this and has lived through this. And I'm sorry, I had to stop real quick because I, like, good. I yeah. he, you know, my motivation and i'll say it any any time i get an interview or you know talking to somebody about motivations like that's the first thing that comes to mind and you know at this point he's you know 23 he's finished college he's an artist and he's able to transform you know the his experiences like that pain that joy that he's experienced throughout his life into his art um and uh couldn't be more proud um so i'm sorry a quick little shout out but no I, I love it, man. They, that, that's amazing. You have to. Yeah. Like, that's a huge source of motivation for you. You know, it was way back then and it continues to be. And that's powerful. So you ultimately like bawled out in med school. So I know you went to med school. You Chicago I actually ruined with one of my uh, my bros, Anoop, uh, yes, Jai. Shout out to him quick. Shout out um, um, And you just bought out absolutely bought out because you didn't just match in one of the most competitive fields in medicine orthopedics but you matched at rush orthopedics so what did you do in medical school that kind of made you so competitive what are some of the advices that you kind of can give to other people's or some takeaways that, that you have from your own experiences that made you be so competitive oh gotcha i mean I, I appreciate the compliments you know i uh really just uh I'm grateful, you know, to, to, to get to, to where I've gotten. Um, and, and I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, setting goals, um, setting goals and, and mentorship and, and hard work. Uh, so there's a luck aspect too. I think things have to kind of fall in particular order, but you know, I think those are the, the, the big, the big three, you know, when it came to like the goal setting aspect, you know, something that I really was, um, set on when I came into medical school was I want to put myself in the best position I can for no one to be able to say no to me. Um, 
and it's like a very lofty uh, goal to, to set, especially, you know, coming from a, you know, family, of no, no doctors, right? I'm first, first in my family, uh, as, as far as males go to even graduate college. So I didn't have like that person in the background saying, okay, show up, you need to go meet research mentors. You need to, you know, start studying for stuff. They want to mess. Like I didn't have like that back of my head. Um, but I, I did know that, you know, just growing up and my experiences with high school and college, I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Um, and I think that it's something that a lot of, you know, URMs carry, particularly, you know, with the idea that you may never feel like you belong at a particular place, right? Kind of start feeling like that imposter syndrome. Like you, you've worked, you've, you've, you've done your, your thing, you know, where you grew up, did your thing, college, get to medical school, and you're like, man, all these people around me are brilliant. Like, why'd they pick me? Like, why am I around here too? Um, and I and I think that something that I, I really wanted to 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 make known, um, you know, when it came down for the application process was that, yeah, like you're not going to be able to deny me because I don't have this uh, this research. I don't have the right grades. I don't have the right steps for. Um, you're gonna have to really just not like me. Like I think that that that's what I want. That that that's how I wanted to, to show up the, the interviews, and I kind of got pretty pretty set in it. Um, you can you can ask like Najib or you know some other roommate stuff. You know when we were talking very early on, but I set that goal of okay, I want to put myself in position to match orthopedics. Like ortho was one of the most competitive fields to get into at that time. I was interested in it, um, very interested in it, but you know wasn't trying to close any doors. But I knew that if I put myself in a position where I would be competitive for ortho, then I'd be able to pivot into almost anything else that I potentially could, you know, decide later on. And so um, I think the second point, you know, that I mentioned, you know, besides the goal setting was the the, the mentorship. Um, and so part of, you know, that goal of becoming the most competitive applicant I could be, you know, it really came down to, okay, well, how do I establish, you know, mentors to help lead me down that path? Like, how do I, uh, who do I need to talk to to figure out, you know, what's what's the game plan? What's, what's the map? Um, how, how do I get to this next level? And I was very thankful and very grateful to be in Chicago. You know, not a place where there was tons of, uh, or actually there no, like, African-American, Black orthopedic surgeons are particularly, uh, in particular um, at UFC, but great i was very grateful for the you know black male mentors that i had within the uh ufc's kind of faculty kind of just across the board so for instance uh like i had a very strong mentor dr pratt or abdullah who was emergency medicine uh resident at that time who went to chicago from the south side of chicago like myself and really gravitated you know towards him and kind of you know learned from him um you know what I should be doing as far as putting myself in the right position. Um, also was able to, you know, have those conversations when it came down to, you know, who are other people that I need to be reaching out to. I mean, this is somebody that, you know, he thought orthopedics for a little bit, but decided ultimately law in emergency medicine, but had tons of tons of connections with folks within kind of the orthopedic world, you know, even in Chicago that he was you know, gracious enough to connect me with. And, you know, once I really started to talk about my interests with, you know, more and more people, I started to see that there are certain kind of trends. There are certain folks that people would mention over and over again, like, hey, did you meet, you know, for instance, like, did you meet Dr. Gregory Primus, who was actually the first black um, orthopedic surgery resident graduate from UChicago? 
Um, and, you know, I think I maybe talked to like three or four of my kind of mentors that were in emergency medicine and internal medicine, GI, um, and all of them were saying the same person's name. Um, and I'm like, oh, man, I got to meet this. I got to meet this guy. And I go on Facebook and I'm sending, uh, I, I found him. I sent like a little Facebook message because, you know, people were still using Facebook kind of back then. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, no response, radio silence. And, you know, I'm like, okay, like, you don't know who I am. It probably showed up as some like, you know, junk mail. Um, but once again, I kept meeting people. People kept saying his name, kept saying his name. One of my mentors like, look, I'm going to send a text message with you on him. Like with, with like a text thread, you you and him on, on the message. Uh, sent that text message. Doctor Primus responded. Oh, like that's great. Tell him like like I want I want to meet him. Like if you're recommending that I meet this guy. Like I, I want to meet him. He set up like a like a dinner like in High Park, not too far from from UFC. Uh, Why I was able to you know sit down, talk about goals and things, kind of you know hear his perspective, like what like his journey, kind of what he did. Got to see the crib. Man, I was I was like, all right, this this is this is what this is what's going on. That give you a little uh, bit of inspiration. I, I, was like, I, was, I, was, I was like, man, this this man has has the keys. Um, and you know, I, I was grateful enough to establish that relationship pretty early, and you know, been able to just kind of see, you know, what what was possible um, was was enough to kind of help me move forward. He was somebody that was in my corner, kind of throughout uh, the you know the rest of the med school process, as far as saying, okay, like. You know, you should be thinking about research right now and, you know, you should be, uh, you know, you should start, you know, thinking about, okay, where do you want to do these array rotations? Um, even when it came down to, you know, making my rank list, you know, for residency, like, okay, like these are, you know, good programs to look into if you have interest in, you know, going into sports medicine or going into spine. Um, he was really somebody that, you know, had been in it, you know, years before I did, but was kind of like that, that role model, um, you know, like that attending role model that, didn't have that same dynamic as, you know, attendings at your own institution. Um, and I think that a lot of uh, med students and, you know, honestly, a lot of like URM med students, black med students, brown med students have the issue with, you know, not necessarily relating with their attendings, but really talking to them on a real level and like asking like certain questions because you feel like, oh, this may be a dumb question or, oh, they, they, they may think that I'm, you know, lazy because I'm asking this or that I, you know, didn't like, didn't read. So I'm asking this. Like, I didn't have that same sense of uh, that inhibition to ask questions uh, with him. And um, I, I was very, I was very grateful for that. Um, and, you know, throughout the rest of my school journey, continued to meet, you know, very solid uh, mentors within orthopedics, um, like, like Dr. Eric King, who's a pediatric um Orthopedist out of Lurie's, uh, part of Northwestern. Um, I was literally at the gym at Chicago with like my Pomona Pitzer athletic shirt, which is like where I played um, ball at college. And he literally stops me and he's like, Hey, you went to Pomona? My son went to Pomona. And turns out like I knew his wow. son because we were in like the training room together. His son played basketball um, at, at my school. And so it was just like, Man, like once again, things kind of just, things kind of just happened. And he was like, man, like, you know, what are you, what are you doing here now? I'm like, oh, man, I'm at Chicago. I'm going, I'm going to med school. He's like, oh, I'm a pediatric orthopedic surgeon. I'm like, I'm trying to go into orthopedic surgery. And my kids, you not like three days later. That may have been like a Friday, maybe a Thursday. That Monday or Tuesday, I was up at his clinic, like shadowing. Like it was, it was a That's wrap. Crazy. Um, and so once again, a mentor that was in my, in my, in my back, in my, in my corner, rooting, rooting me on. 
met with met with me, you know, like literally in the middle of the interview cycle, um, inviting me over to kind of ha- have a discussion. I probably had like I think three or four interviews at that time. Uh, kind of went over some practice questions and stuff. Kind of helped direct me. And, like once again, like this was somebody that didn't have to do this. Um, didn't have really any incentive other than to kind of see me thrive, and then really took the time to help to help guide me. Um, so I think mentorship was, was something that was important there. That's kind of that second point. I think the last thing is, is the, the, the hard work aspect. Um, and I think that it can be kind of misconstrued the idea that, oh, you should just work hard. Things will happen. Not always the case. I know tons of people, you know, in med school that worked their tails off, but just weren't, you know, situated in the right position to, to really excel or really get to the level that, you know, that they, could have achieved or, or really deserved. Um, but I, I think that you need to make sure, especially when you're dealing with mentors, especially when you um, have, you know, these lofty goals, you have to continue to try to do your best to put yourself in this position to kind of take advantage of the opportunities that are presented to you. And something that I really tried to make sure is that, you know, when there was an opportunity to get involved, like our orthopedic surgery interest group, for example, um, I want to be a co-leader of that. So I went ahead and did that. When there was an opportunity to, um, you know, take call with like the, the, the PGY2s on call, I was there. I want to do that. I want to get my hands, hands wet. I want to figure out kind of how to best put myself in this position. Um, you know, when there was opportunity to like present at just kind of the department kind of sponsored conference, like not some big, you know, academy. It's just like, no, this is the orthopedic department at UFC throwing something on. Okay, let me figure out what poster I can like present at this conference so I can, you know, get some more face time. And like making like those decisions to to grind a little bit harder in those times when you know you're already tired, you sat through, you know, lecture all day or maybe, you know, you're at home fast forwarding, you know, two X speed through lecture, whatever, whatever it is, however you kind of get <laughs> get down. Um, but you know, going that that little that extra mile, and even if it's just a little bit extra every day, um, I think I think paid paid dividends when it was time time to apply. Um, and I think the 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 last thing that that I think really helped my application really stand out, and I think what made me a little bit different than a lot of other applicants was my really uh, I think strong focus and affinity towards service. Um, I spent, I mean, countless hours, um, when I was in, in med school doing tons of different, um, kind of community-based service, institutional-based service opportunities, uh, whether or not it was, you know, teaching like local high schoolers, you know, about healthcare system and about, uh, different professions within healthcare, you know, exposing them to, you know, EMTs and nurses and physicians, and surgeons and, um, you know, that whole kind of gamut or the whole kind of spectrum of, of healthcare providers or, you know, going to Montessori school with one of my attendings to teach culinary medicine, to teach, you know, seventh, eighth grade kids how to like cook meals um, and, you know, the, the benefits of nutrition or, uh, you know, working, you know, alongside my classmates at like free clinics. Like these are things that I think grounded me. Um, kept me, you know, I think, close to, you know, my community, you know, being from the South Side, being at East Chicago, that was something that was really important for me, um, was to, to not feel like I was, like, selling out, like, to not feel like I was becoming, you know, disconnected from, you know, the reason why I, I, I was here in the first place. Um, and 
and by the end of like my um, by the end of like my time at at, at U Chicago or my time in med school, I mean that part of my CV was real thick, um, and mm-hmm. it wasn't because I was really trying to pad it. Like these were things that I was enjoying, um, and I, I don't think that it's necessarily always in the when you think about orthopedics, you think about somebody that's applying it to ortho. The first thing that comes to your mind is probably research. You know, second thing that probably comes to your mind is I don't know whether or not it's you know school prestige or oh maybe they're an athlete or something like that. Thing is second thing that comes to mind. Like service is pretty low on that list of you know things that programs are looking for. Um, I think it's kind of crap, but that's like kind of the, the thought about it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it was something that really worked towards my advantage because it was probably a little bit, it was interesting to see and to ask about. I mean, people ask about research and stuff on the interview trail and, oh, like, tell me about this publication or what will your future research be for this and that. But honestly, the most questions I got was actually about this culinary medicine course that I taught uh, to, to, to like elementary school students because people thought, man, something I haven't seen before out of these hundreds of applications that I've read. Like, Tell me more. Um, so I think like what that really comes down to is just kind of really being like yourself. Um, the applicate applicants into you know, orthopedics, plastics, derm, you know, all these kind of uber competitive specialties, you know, start to look very similar um, because everybody's reading the same blog post. Everybody's on the same kind of little forums about, oh, how do I get a 200 and 90 on step one to like try to, uh, to, to, to make, to make, to make myself more competitive. Um, and I think you lose sight of like kind of the personal identity of it. And, you know, as somebody that has sat, you know, as a, as a, as like a reviewer for application into residency, like I did like my intern year, I was even, you know, interviewing uh, prospective uh, applicants. Um, you know, the people that I remembered the most were the ones that had other things in addition to, you know, the research or the board scores or the, the clerkship grades, it's like, what makes you like an actual person? Because we can find a, a hundred people, you know, that apply that have a, a 260 on step one, 265 on step two, 50 publications. Like those folks exist, but do you want to work with them? Like, is that, is that, does that interest you? Um, and I, I think that, you know, being able to show that and not just talk about it and like uh, on an essay or talk about it in an interview. I mean, like the, the, the facts are, are in the CV. It's like you don't have to I don't have to convince you that I was um, into doing these things because it's, it's 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 very clear. Um, it wasn't like trying to pad a CV. I think that's what people sometimes get, you know, uh, kind of in the habit of it's like I just need to make this like look real good. And it's less of doing things that you're interested in. Um, and, and, and it worked out, fortunately. I love like, you know, going from making sure that you have an established plan, finding the mentors who can guide you along that plan, having the work ethic to make sure that you accomplish that plan, and then not forgetting about the thing that makes you a person. You know, like 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 you said, I think a lot of people get so caught up in this is a competitive field. Let me go see what I need to do to be competitive. And then they do what everybody else does, but they're losing the person. Like you're, you're losing the personality of the application when you just do that. And then you lose yourself in that. Um, so it's always, it's really encouraging for me to be able to hear you kind of talk about like, yeah, service is not 
the you know when you think of ortho research step scores bench press max like mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. it's not but like it's 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 not usually up there but because of that that gave you like that put a fingerprint on your application you know like that was like a this person is standing out like you stand out from the masses when you actually act yourself and you pursue your personal interests and not try to like you know front your application to something so it's really encouraging for me to hear um because you know sometimes i'm like oh should i really be trying to do a podcast or you know doing these kind of things and but i'm like yeah so it's yeah these things are always super encouraging for me and i know that the people listening too, people have their own personal interest and stuff like you know just let the success that Vince has experienced, like, you know, allow you to feel like you can pursue those things as well. You know, take care of the business that has to be taken care of, but don't lose yourself in the process. Of course, 100 percent, 100 percent. If you're a barber, you know, go ahead, put that on your application. Like people are going to ask you about it. Uh, like you, you like chefing it up, put that on the application. Like people will find, you know, those things that stand out. And that's what they're going to want to talk to you about, especially when it comes to the interview time. Um, nobody wants to sit and go over, you know, your indications for X, Y, and Z surgery that you haven't even done. You probably haven't even seen as a medical student. It, it's mm-hmm. there's much more to it, but we get we get so bogged down, get so bogged down. I think it's a little bit of misinformation. That stuff is important, but it, that that doesn't make you, and that won't necessarily keep a door open on its own. Um, you you briefly mentioned, and this, this ties into your service. You briefly mentioned. You know, from Southside Chicago, went to University of Chicago Med at Rush, which is also in Chicago. Um, and, you know, the how important it was for you to pursue service in Chicago. Um, so I just was briefly wanting to kind of know, like, the fulfillment or the impact that you have now being a healthcare provider in Chicago, um, like the patient population that's close to your heart. Like, what, what has that meant to you? And it's special. Um, it's, it's very special. I, I would say there are there were definitely days in residency. You know, there there will continue to be ones where you you know you question you know why you're doing what you're doing. You know, you waking up at four earlier in the morning to to head into a hospital where you can get your butt kicked all day for you know five dollars an hour, and you're like, man, what am I doing? Like, I could be doing so many other things. Um, and then you get there and you interact with these patients that need you that, you know, aren't going to get that same kind of care from somebody else than they will from you. Um, and you know, one of the first times that I, that I really recognized this, um, I was actually, uh, over at our County hospital, um, like on our trauma service and, you know, unfortunately, you know, the, who sees the most trauma um, in, you know, urban cities. It's going to be, for the most part, you know, young, black, brown people. Um, that's the, 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 the current state of our nation from the vast history of, uh, of disparities that kind of kind of lead us to that. But something that I really, you know, felt and really was able to, to, to experience was connecting to, to patients on a, on a level that I don't think a lot of my peers could. Um, you know, when you have a young, you know, 17-year-old black male come in that was, you know, a, a victim, a victim of, like, you know, gun violence, for instance. 
and you know they're being you know treated as if they were the perpetrator of some crime um or people are you know afraid to ask them questions that they would ask any other patient um or you know treat them treating them less than you know aren't you know asking them you know how's your pain doing like you know aren't going out of their way to you know to make them comfortable um and being able to go and you know have a conversation kind of ch- chop it up kind of just speak speak the language um i think was something that surprised a lot of people surprised patients oftentimes they're like wait a minute like where are you from um or you know like uh, you're not the doctor you're the doctor like you know when you get stuff like that uh, from young folks, it's, it's hilarious. I mean, tell them, yeah. And then they ask. Next question is, well, how much you get paid? And I tell them that, and they like, oh. <laughs> they're like, they're like, oh no, that's crap. Like that's that's bogus. Like they're doing, doing the wrong thing, bro. Wrong man. They're like, look, I got paid that much at uh, this warehouse. Go ahead, like you know. So like that. That's those interactions are are, are, are fun. Um, but I think also that they're they're meaningful. You know, something that you know really sticks out was I remember we had a patient. Um, was a whole family actually that they were involved in like a, a motor vehicle accident. Um, it was like you know I think a, a mother, father, uncle, and like I think the a, the baby was in the car. Uh, pretty pretty bad crash enough that they were brought to the level one trauma center. All of them, and uh, the one of the, the passengers was a young male. He kind of busted up his face, uh, like had basically tooth gone through his lips, like blood all over. And he had been there, I think, from the shift prior when I was coming on. And uh, he was, like, sitting up in the in the, the trauma bay in the bed. His blood just kind of dried up and kind of caked over his face. And I don't know if, like, you know, all my listeners here, or, you know, have, have smelled what, like, dry blood, like, smells like. Um, but it is a, it is a, it's repulsive. You know, it's, 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 it's bad. Um, and you know, he's sitting there, has all this over his face. I'm just like, this is just, this is just wrong. Like it was pre- relatively busy at that time, but I didn't have any patience at that moment, you know? So I just took the time to literally go get some warm towels, some wet towels. And I wiped this man's face off and he's probably like, man, why is this person doing this? When I finished, when I tell you how just grateful he was that somebody just took that time talk to him hey man like like what are you trying to do like man what happened like what are you trying to what are you trying to do with your life what do you do what do you what, where do you work um you know how are you related to so-and-so just like having that conversation was able to one calm him down and two you know put him in a position where he was willing to kind of move forward with all the rest of the tests and things that we wanted to run to make sure that they were okay um the funniest thing was I saw him maybe a couple months later he was coming back for like a follow-up in the trauma bay I wasn't even on the general surgery trauma service at that time. I was on orthopedics. And I was just like, just literally walking through and I get called like, Hey doc, doc, doc. And like, I turn around and like, it was him like there for his checkup. And he was like, Oh man, my guy, like, good to see you, bro. Like, and you know, it, it, those type of experiences are, 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 are what makes it worth it. You know, when you walk into, you know, a, a older woman's room um, and she's like, uh, you know, she's there for, you know, X, Y, Z ailment. Um, and, you know, she, I start talking. She's like, oh, man, like, like, where are you from, sweetheart? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I grew up, you know, on the south side, like, you know, 
went to Mount Carmel High School. Family lives in like Grossland, Morgan Park area. They're like, oh, you, you from the South Side? You from Chicago? Baby, yo, your grandma, your grandparents, your, your, your aunt, uncle must be so proud. Like, you know, you, you get those. And I'm sure you get those too in med school, you know, for, for on, on the occasion. And, you know, those things can really, you know, make your day, especially when they start talking to you up to your attendings. And your attendings actually start to realize that, man, like, this is an asset. Like, I can't talk to these patients in the way that this person talks to these patients. Um, you know, when, when you start getting like the, the tough folks that people don't want to interact with and you go in there and you get a full history, uh, you get the whole story and, you know, they're ready to move forward with the intervention that, you know, you and the rest of your team thinks is, thinks what they need, but they wouldn't consent to anybody else. Um, because I, you have the ability to meet people where they are. Um, and, and I think that goes, goes a, a long way. I think it also helps a lot with these advocacy for patients. Um, being able to, to 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 relate better and to be able to, to you know, I think to make a stand when there's times when you know people may think that you know this is the right way that we need to move um, as far as the care plan and you know being able to sit there and say yeah like I don't think that this is indicated right now you know or I, I think that we could consider you know something else at this time based off of off this and that and I think just like having like that seat at the table um, is important uh, sometimes it makes you wish that there are more of you because there's you can only be in so many places and you can only imagine kind of the the things that happen i think in healthcare when there aren't folks to advocate for for our patients but you know overall it's, it's those interactions that really kind of make you uh appreciate you know the grind uh make you you know realize kind of why you're doing what you're doing that's so that's so powerful and having those experiences, I'm so happy that you've been able to have those experiences time and time again of like reigniting that flame. Like you said, you wake up at 4 a.m. to go and get beat up for, for $5 an hour. But it's like that much more important to have those experiences to like reignite the flame, to like reemphasize your why, to show you the purpose, to show you the impact that you're having, too. So I want to switch gears a little bit right before we wrap up here. Um and, you know, you talked a little bit about how, you know, your intern year, you were like screening applicants and, um, you know, you've already gone through the process. You've done a ways. You, you've probably seen a ton of people do a ways. And I guess we're kind of in the season right now where students are, you know, getting ready for interviews. Um, so if you could just touch on, you know, some advice that you have for interviewers, some things to keep in mind, how to kind of excel throughout that process. I think a lot of listeners would love for that. Sure. No, I, th I think that's a, that's a great question and very timely, obviously right now. Uh, most people are finishing up a ways, I think at this point, some people have maybe one more, uh, but you know, applications are in at this point and you know, within a matter of a month or two, you're going to start seeing those interviews really honestly, less than a month, probably start seeing those interviews really start to kind of come out. Um, I think that, you know, my, you know, major tips for, you know, interviews themselves, like the first one is, you know, if you have the interview, you are, you're in the door already. Um, recognizing that there are so many folks that apply for these positions. If you were, you know, given the opportunity and granted an interview, like you are of the, of a very, you know, small minority of applicants that really have a chance um, at, at going to these institutions. So, you know, being confident and proud of getting to that point, I think is important. Um, just the, the fact that you can kind of feel like you, can, you start to taste it when those interviews start coming in. Um, and I think you should embrace that be and, and be 
be happy and proud of getting there. Um, I think when it comes to the actual interview prep, uh, something that's very important is really knowing your application. Um, you know, we spend hours and hours on ERAS, which is like the online application interface, uh, you know, putting in the experiences and basically, you know, re-putting in like your CV, um, speaking on your experiences, your personal statement, all this stuff. And at the end of the day, you have this kind of PDF file that gets shipped out to all these places. Um, and they literally will skim through hundreds of these applications, but they'll pick out random things that just stick out. And so if you have something on there, you don't know, you know, what this person necessarily researches or where this person came from, or, um, you know, maybe you went to the same undergrad as somebody, or you were part of the same kind of, you know, fraternity or sorority, or, you know, you can't like, you really can't plagiarize. You can't really, not plagiarize, but you can't falsify these applications because somebody is going to see something and you're going to get caught up. And so you really have to make sure that, like, not only is your truthful with your application, but that you know it well and can speak to essentially any point on there because everything is up for grabs. Um, you know, they may find the most kind of minute detail in your CV about this research project that you did when you were an undergrad, you know, and they may just be a world expert in that one thing, right? And if you haven't looked at that, you know, paper in years and you got it on there, probably should at least look at it. Check out the abstract one, one quick time so you can, you know, be able to kind of <laughs> rattle, rattle off some stuff. I mean, I mean it like it, it, it will happen, um, especially when it comes to to, to, to research. Uh, I remember being in an interview um, and wasn't as prepared as I should have been because I, I was on a paper about uh, shoulder dislocations, for instance. And uh, you know, and ended up being interviewed by like a world renowned, like shoulder specialist. Right. And he's asking me some in-depth questions about this thing. And I'm just like, man, I was just on this paper. Like I like help, like, you know, with the, with the figures, I helped kind of write the conclusion and stuff, but I, I, I mean, I don't have the clinical knowledge to answer this stuff. It, you know, it, it will make you, people will sometimes try to make you feel less than or really ask questions until you don't have the answer. But the more that you know what you've written, the more that you can kind of back up those experiences with an research or um, other opportunities, like the, the stronger of an impact that you will make on somebody. Um, I think something that's also very important is to really pay attention to um, kind of what you put as like your interests. Uh, your interests show up on the like very end of your of your ERAS application. Like it's like the last thing. Odds are people are flipping through this whole application, pages upon pages. The last thing they see is your interest, and then you walk in the room. That's going to be the first thing on their mind. It's just human nature. It's 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 it's, it's psychology. Knowing that is important and being able to speak on that stuff is super important. Um, and so, uh, you know, whether or not that's saying, Hey, like I, you know, I am a, I make, I make YouTube videos. I make podcasts. Like, like this is like my, my, my thing. I got X many followers. Like that is like actually important because somebody's going to pick up on that and be like, man, this is like most interesting thing. All this other stuff was kind of just boring, generic, ortho, whatever. Um, but I actually want to hear about, you know, why did you start the ortho club podcast? Like, 
like what what benefit does that have for you if you're already coming from you know this medical school and have this like why are you trying to help other people you know and being able to like look mm-hmm. i got this like have those answers planned um and you'll see that there's going to be trends like you can readjust your interview strategy as you go. Like, don't think that the same thing you use, that one interview is going to be the same way you answer every question. You know, give feedback. Look at people when you're saying stuff. It, you know, if people respond in a kind of a weird way or kind of confused at how your answer is, maybe, maybe you answered it, you know, the wrong way. Or maybe you didn't read the room correctly. But, you know, practicing those responses, like, I think I got better and better every interview because half the time they're asking me the same things. And when you start to pick up those trends, it gives you even more kind of ammunition or uh, more direction to what you need to brush up on even more uh, for the next time around. Um, I think the uh, another thing that's, you know, pivotal for, for the interview process or, you know, for interviews is, you know, and it comes back to what we talked about earlier, is like not forgetting, you know, who you are um, at the by the time you make it to an interview day, um, they've whittled down hundreds of applicants, sometimes thousands of applicants. There's some reason why they want to be sitting across the table or sitting on Zoom or however, you know, with you in particular. Um, the, your step scores was high enough to, sit, to, to be in that position. You know, your clerkship grades were high enough to be there. That stuff doesn't really matter that much at that point. They may discuss it later in the meeting, but that there's one, there's nothing you can do about it at this point. The stuff is already submitted. It's done. It's in the books. Um, you're there to really show people that you are a, a person, um, that you have, you know, interests, that you are, that you are interesting. Um, and, you know, don't shy away from, you know, answering questions with a little bit of flavor with, you know, showing your personality because you, that that's all you have when you walk out of that room people aren't going to remember like oh man how do they answer this question about research and be like well how did i feel talking to this person was i was it a real conversation like did i enjoy speaking and learning about this person no matter what they were talking about you know were they were they captivating were they nervous like did they look me in the eye there's so many other things that people actually like remember and and speak to and I promise you it's not the, oh, man, they were able to recite, you know, the end of, you know, this random study that they were on with 10 other authors, you know, three years ago. Um, people people remember those interactions and, and you can't uh, can't downplay that. That's thank thank you for for that that wisdom. Um, you know, I, I I was telling you before that, like I I'm on the medical school admission committee here. So I just had an interview before. And, and what you just mentioned of like. I mostly am thinking about just like how I felt with the interaction and less so like about a specific like phrase or like a specific, you know, whatever. It's just like, and I feel a certain way when the person is, you know, interesting because they're themselves yeah. and they're just like a personable person. And I think like the impact that that can have gets like undermined a lot when you're trying, you know, I think ortho, you know, we, have the rep of like try hard or whatever, you know, whatever, but right, you, you're a gunner like overdo it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can. So instead of just being yourself and being comf- com- comfortable and confident in the fact that you're across that table or that zoom screen because you earned that position. One of the last question I have for you, I'll let you go, but I just, before we wrap up, just if there's any last kind of pearls of wisdom, anything 
Um, there's a lot of people listening who are inspired by you, myself included, um, you know, who want to be in positions where you're at um, and you've already, you know, just dropped gym after gym. But if there's any kind of final words for people, um, you know, now is your time. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, you know, I think that one final thing is to everybody listening and trying to go into ortho or maybe some other special kind of happen to come across this. I think realizing or recognizing that there is a need for you um, is, is important. Something that I, you know, struggle with, especially at the beginning of medical school, where I was trying to kind of figure out, okay, orthopedics or internal medicine or emergency medicine or general surgery is, well, can I have, like, the same impact I want to have, like, on, you know, my community, like, on my people in orthopedics, which is, you know, this white male-dominated profession, you know, um, and there's, you know, a plethora of, you know, preconceived notions about orthopedics and motivations and all that. And, you know, like, is there room for me, someone that's interested in, like, you know, community building and outreach and stuff in this field? Um, or would I be better suited in something that was, you know, more, uh, at least had, you know, people were more, you know, assuming of, you know, my goals. If I went to family medicine, like, okay, yeah, I get it. That makes sense. Or, Emergency medicine, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but you start talking about health disparities and then orthopedics. You go, like, wait, how is that? When I tell you that there's disparity within every single field of medicine, ortho, ENT, family practice and preventative care, OBGYN, class surgery, you are needed. Dermatology in any of these fields. And do not let the you know, people around you, whether or not it's your administration, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, your your friends that are going into, you know, these different fields that may have similar goals to you as far as, you know, impact wise, but have a different route. Don't let that influence you away from things that you think are interesting. At the end of the day, no matter how much of an impact you want to make, you want to, you know, be a community leader, you want to, um, you know, take care of, you know, the underserved. If you're not in a position that that interests you, like if you don't like, you know, reading EKGs, but you want to be a cardiologist because black people are, you know, uh, you know, disproportionately affected by, you know, heart disease. I'm sorry, but that's probably not the right move for you. It's admirable. But if you don't like it, then you're not going to be as successful as you want to be. Um, and so really doing your best to really kind of stay true to what interests you and knowing that whatever that is, there is a need for you and you will make an impact um, on your patient no matter what. And I think that's something I would want people to, to hold on to because that's something that I, I struggled with myself very early on. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I that hit home for me too, for sure, because I'm definitely very passionate about wanting to address you know, certain disparities and things like that. And, you know, if I just think of the quickest way to do that, I wouldn't really think orthopedic surgery, but my interests fit with orthopedic surgery. So knowing that the two can coincide as well as you, you know, stated 
is encouraging, uplifting for me. So thank you so much, man. I just really, really appreciate this entire conversation. I hope that everyone listening enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, to our listeners out there, make sure to stay plugged in because we're going to be we're going to continue to have more inc- incredible conversations with some of the dopest orthopedic surgeons out there, just like Vince out here crushing it at Rush. And again, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe, like, and comment on the podcast. It really helps us out. And see you guys in the next one.